Someone's come for a nutritious breakfast. What? Hello, my name is Boo. <laughs> Let me finish. Booberry, my ghostly good blueberry-flavored cereal, Booberry, <laughs> is part of this complete breakfast. Boo to you, Booberry! Coming to you from New England's darkest heart, this is the Deep Dive Podcast, Horror Month. Join us, if you dare. Hello, divers, and welcome to the much-anticipated first episode of Season 2. Oh, yeah. Season 2 premiere. Thank you for sticking around. Mm -hmm. My name is Manda, co-host extraordinaire, famed beauty and lover of all things dinosaur. But, of course, you've already known that. And with me, as always, is my good friend Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine, which I believe is now available on Amazon.com. It is. New issue should be coming out later this month. Sweet. Yes. Yeah, so as I said, episode one of season two. Season two. I never even thought that we would get this far. It's amazing. I know. The year has four seasons. <laughs> oh, man. We're already off to a wonderful start. Aren't we? So, season two, thank you to everybody who has stuck around with us. Uh, it's been a great journey. And for those of you who are new to our um, sort of community that we've built, let me give you a quick breakdown of what we do here. So, as we know, the movieverse is huge vast. right it is vast it is almost a wasteland of movies yeah and with that many of these gems just kind of go unnoticed mm -hmm. people don't really see them so with the invention of streaming medias that came along you know your netflix your hulu um even youtube th these gems now come to life again and they have a whole new perspective because a whole new genre gets to see them mm -hmm. but that's not it there's also many other streaming services and our job here at the deep dive podcast is to tap into all of those obscure and rare gems we're talking things like voodoo we're talking things like to Tubi be. app hey that was mine or not to be never mind oh good point yep that was a good one anyways we're gonna bring you some of our favorite titles and then we'll tell you what we loved about them what the critics thought about them and where you can find them exactly but something special is happening today oh yeah. oh yeah because it is october which means halloween every day halloween every day it's horror month here <laughs> at the deep dive podcast horror month every week every week this month we're gonna have a podcast an episode up for you guys and it's gonna be horror themed of course oh yeah but it'll be a different type of horror each episode exactly because there's more than one type of horror film the spectrum is huge people it is so this week i'm gonna let you introduce what we're doing because i am super excited me too. This is this is a big deal for us. We're we're all very big Halloween fans around mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. Not just of the movie, but the holiday itself. The ho Did you know <laughs> that the movie Halloween actually was based partly on a holiday that exists called Halloween? Yes, man. No, right? You're so full of these trivia facts. These little facts, I know, it's just crawling around in my head, waiting to get out. <laughs> but honestly, I celebrate Halloween since October for one. Like October one starts the entire month of Halloween. Darn right. We live in New England's kind of, you know, it's yeah, mandatory. Yeah, you know, you get the, the leaves and the pumpkins and the whole nine yards. And the, <laughs> you know, and New, and New England is known for its uh, vast uh, array of serial killers. So that's something fun. <laughs> we breed them here. You know, those long winters alone uh, in your cabin. Yeah, seasonal yeah. depression's a thing up in New England. Bad things happen. Mm -hmm. But we're not really talking about that particular kind of horror right now. Not this one. Our first episode in Horror Month deals with ghost stories. <laughs> so what is it about ghost stories that fascinates all of us so much? You know, we would all like to believe in some kind of afterlife, some kind of great reward for our mortal toils, uh, maybe some kind of ethereal paradise where we can spend eternity just kicking back and binge watch Mind Hunters on Netflix <laughs> and all those other shows we missed while we were alive. 
You know, I, I never got into Game of Thrones, but now, you know, once I'm gone, I can probably do that, hopefully, if, Wait, they, if they get uh, HBO in the future or when I'm dead. Have, okay, you have never seen Game of Thrones? No. Not one episode. <sighs> okay. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. Oh, boy. Fine. <laughs> but Ghost Stories, going back, present a different picture of the beyond. Mm. Tormented souls unable to leave this earthly Ooh. plane, intent on making the living suffer. This is not what we hope for ourselves. Forever trapped in between worlds and capable of moving forward. It's sort of a kind of existential dread that makes good ghost stories so deeply disturbing. Mm. And that's why week one of Horror Month is about ghosts. Ghosts. Woo. Yeah, don't do that again. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, Amanda. Yeah. What is your first pick for this first episode of season two in horror month it's a good one i think we should also tell our listeners out there that we usually set rules for these uh, episodes we do um we do we write them down and everything yes um but i can't really remember episode when we actually followed them no but the one the one we usually do follow is that we never tell the other person mm-hmm. what our picks are until right now exactly so my first pick is called session nine Oh. Yeah. It's from 2001, directed by Brad Anderson. Um, you may know about him from The Machinist. It's with Christian Bale. came out in, I think, 2004. Oh, we lost a lot of weight for that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, it stars Peter Mullen, who people may know as Yaxley from Harry Potter. Wasn't he the voice of the Transformer Optimus Prime? Uh, oh, no, that was Peter no, Cullen. Yeah, I'm that's something. <laughs> what? Uh, it also has David Caruso. The guy from CSI Miami. Oh, my God. Mr. Sunglasses himself. <laughs> yeah. How does he do it? Uh, I think the murder occurred over there. And then the music kicks in, right? Is that how that goes? Uh, something He, he like lifts that. the glasses. Yeah. Jim Carrey apparently does a really good impression of him. Well, I mean, the glasses do all the acting, so that's pretty much Fair his enough. thing. Yeah, they might as well be. They're expensive Ray-Bans. Yeah. So, all right. That's my first pick. But I want to give you a little bit of background. This is what makes the movie super eerie, Okay. Um, for context, for those who don't know, we live in Upper New England, uh, specifically Massachusetts, and the Danvers State Mental Hospital was built in 1874. It is located in the aforementioned Danvers, Massachusetts. It it features the Gothic style of architecture, and its purpose was to offer long-term, if not permanent, residency to patients, 500 patients or so, living with uh, mental illness, disabilities, as such. Now, I would like to preface this with... This is the 1870s versions of mental illness and not today's version. So, you know, you could find anyone there from someone who had debilitating uh, stuttering or, um, you know, unfortunately, someone of the homosexual nature or anything like that that was considered a, a sort of sore or eyesore to society. They were sent typically to institutions. This institution was no different. So it originally was set up for 500 patients. It comprised of one main administration building and then many others that were sort of jutting out like wings. Uh, And they were all connected by this very elaborate, elaborate and confusing tunnel system underground. Now, the tunnels were there for a couple of purposes. One, it made transfer during the winter months between the wards much easier, right? You were sheltered from the, the, the elements. But also because of the tuberculous out the tuberculosis outbreak in the late 1800s, it was necessary for doctors and nurses to sort of like protect themselves and not carry that between wards. You know, each ward would be separated by either, you know, female or male or children or I mean, whatever it was, they were different wards and they wanted to make sure they didn't carry the deadly TB with them. Not Tom Brady, the other TB. (laughs) Although he is the goat. We love him. So that is, basically is the the sort of uh what the hospitals were sort of comprised of and what they looked like there was also one tunnel that led from the base of the hospital down by the power plant which supplied all the power to the hospital to the graveyard now as you can imagine graveyards at institutions well they were probably massive because there were quite a few patients that lived there permanently and when they died many family members didn't come to claim them so they were They stayed there permanently forever. Um, This particular graveyard is interesting because not only is there a 
one main plot, but there's also several others that were discovered until many, many, many years later, like literally over a hundred years later, when the building was being demolished to <laughs> uh, build condos, which I will get back to at another point. Um, so eventually, the rumors started coming out about this hospital and about the doctors and their practices, and they were pretty inhumane. We're talking shock therapy, lobotomies, uh, different types of drugs. Um, Sounds restful. Where do I sign up? <laughs> well, see, it wasn't that restful, and it got people pretty angry. So in comes the 1960s and the sort of mental health reform, right? People decided, you know what? Straight jackets are not the way to go. They're not helping anybody. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go yeah. figure. It's, it's interesting, right? Um, so we've, and they decided to do this less ominous version of treating mental health and more of a community-based sort of protocol where you know hospitals would take on the um the responsibility of treating patients and then they'd be sent to specialists and you know it obviously progressed to modern day where we still have a lot of work to do but we are <laughs> light years away from what it was in the 1800s so <clears throat> decades go by the building is now listed as a um a protected historical site which in massachusetts typically means they're of a certain grade where they cannot be knocked down because of their their historical or their let's say educational significance right well this company in the early 90s called avalon they bought the rights to this building and they smashed 98 percent of it to the ground right and they left the main administration building they built then condos sort of similarly fashioned along the side of the building and they were pretty expensive condos which you can still rent today believe it or not um but they left that one building so since then, reports have come out and stories have surfaced about hauntings in the building, water taps turning on randomly, screaming being heard under the other ends of the hall, locks not turning, you know, sort of typical ghost like things. But one of the ones that kind of comes out quite a bit is the idea that they can see patients, patients who are stuck either in straitjackets or they're in those weird wheelchairs and they're just sat there because nobody's paying attention to them you know, overcrowded and it, it uh, it's kind of scary, kind of creepy. Yeah, because what you really want is to have a place <clears throat> haunted by insane ghosts, not just regular ghosts, but <laughs> insane ghosts. You know, uh, that's probably the worst type of ghost, right? Because they're unpredictable. You can think that most ghosts are just going to haunt you because they're either, well, they have nothing else to do. They're bored or they're angry at you. Right. But the other ones, you just, you just never know. So... Now, fast forward, now that you've given that, I've given you that brief history, to my movie called Session 9. It was actually filmed on the site of the hospital, mid-demolition. So, that's great because it lends to the character of the movie. And the premise of the movie is that this uh, local asbestos company comes into the old, abandoned, broken-down psychiatric hospital to get rid of asbestos, right? That's what they do. Oh, I thought you were going to say the ghosts. <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So the asbestos is everywhere, and of course it's super unhealthy, and they want to get rid of it before the construction site really comes in, So the, obviously so the workers don't get sick. So they hired this local company. It's comprised of several people, including Gordon. Gordon is the main um, you know, foreman. He's the cool guy. He has all employees. They do everything. Foreman Gordon. <laughs> foreman Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just that, that was funny. good. That was good. That was good. I'm going to carry on as best as I can. Oh. oh. Got to check out these asbestos. Oh. And I got to get construction crews in here by Columbus Day, so you got to guess for how long? Four really good guys. One week, we're gone. That's fast. I need the job. So the loonies are outside in the real world, and here we are with the keys to the loony bin, boys. <laughs> Might actually want to be grateful, and you're about to make some decent money. What's the catch? Patricia Willard scandal, 1984. <laughs> I want you to try to remember what happened 24 years ago. Use your imagination. Here it comes. Gordon and his team come into the, the hospital, and each person has a unique, um, I guess, fear and characteristic. One person's really afraid of the dark, even though he's an adult male. Not saying anything, but, you know, he's afraid of the dark. One person is um, just really sad and depressed because he broke up with his girlfriend um another person is um has a gambling addiction so all these people these ragtag people come together to work in this place so they're digging around and they find a box of tapes and you know not like old school um you know 
tapes that you need a, a record player, but like, you know, modern day tapes, because sure, of course sure. the hospital was in, in use until like 1990. Mm-hmm. So there are nine tapes. Each tape is a session with a person called Mary. Mary's a patient. She's being interviewed by a doctor. Um, and it's pretty clear from the get-go when Gordon, the, the foreman Gordon, starts <laughs> <laughs> listening to them that she has some sort of dissociative personality disorder, like multiple personality disorder. And each session seems to be somebody else talking about something, but it's all concentrated on this one event that happened at Mary's house where mysteriously her younger brother and her parents were all murdered and she survived. And she was then, you know, brought to the hospital. So things start happening. Lights flicker, but there's no electricity in the building. You know, one of them goes through one of the tunnels to try and, I don't know, find something. And they end up finding like tons of gold and silver and a lobotomy tool just kind of hanging out there. And then another person gets attacked by someone in the dark. And then they find said lobotomy tool in somebody. And it's just, these things keep happening. And it's sort of concurrent with each session that Gordon listens to. He has no idea that these things are happening because he's got them in his head he's listening to them and he's working away everything like that but you know people start going missing so then as you can imagine with all the spooky things happening gordon starts to pick up on it and he's like something is weird here and in the end and i really don't want to spoil it because it's just it's one of those psycho thrillers that you have to see but in the end you know you're not quite sure who's actually talking on the tapes is it mary is it her other person quote-unquote simon is it Gordon? Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Interesting. But what I want you to know is that it ends in a way that you would not expect. And it's creepy and haunty. And it's a very good film. Nice. So I have a couple of fun facts about it. Oh, please. Yes. The film was actually inspired by a murder that took place in Boston, where the director grew up in the mid-1990s, in which a man supposedly killed his wife. And after she accidentally burnt him with some like hot boiling water or something, um... I guess the the person was called Richard Rosenthal, and that was the case, based in the Boston area in the mid-90s. Um, most of the film was shot in a small section of the asylum because, according to David Caruso, the rest of the building was unsafe for shooting. And they didn't specify why it was unsafe, but it was unsafe. Mm. Um, he also claimed that the set didn't need to be dressed because all the props were legitimate props. Yeah. Like, the beds, the wheelchairs, the the gurneys, all of that. The lobotomy tool? <laughs> I don't know about that. Mm. Um, it was also one of the first motion pictures to be shot in 24 um, frames per second, as opposed to the regular digital video, which is like 30 frames per second, I think. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. So to the scores. IMDb gives it a 6.4. Metacritic gives it a kind of a low 58. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a mid 64. I am giving it a 9 out of 10. Wow. It's a super cult classic film. Um, it takes place in, somewhere close to where I grew up. It's creepy. And I thought it was just a really good movie. Hmm. And it led me to, to do some more research about the tunnel system. And I tell you, you don't want to do that. Yeah. It's got to be a legitimate, literal rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where can you watch it? Right now, believe it or not, it's free on the Stars app if ah. you have a subscription. Also free on Amazon Prime for their horror month. Nice. Yeah. So that's my first pick. That is a great pick. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. All right. So my turn. Your turn. So show of hands. Anybody here a Lord of the Rings fan? Oh, me, 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 me. Anyone? Me. me, me. Anyone? Me. Yes, you over there with the microphone in front of her. That's me. Ah. (laughs) So there are quite a few, I'm sure, Lord of the Rings fans, especially of the somewhat recent... uh, series of films based on J.R.R. Tolkien's books. Mm, Peter Jackson is a god. Yes, Peter Jackson is a god. He is now, but he wasn't always <laughs> Brain a Dead god. was pretty good. What was? Brain Dead? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's where I'm going with this, because Peter Jackson, before Lord of the Rings, had a kind of a, a career as kind of a notorious independent horror film maker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So some of his first films, including Braindead, were also films called Bad Taste mm-hmm. and a film called Meet the Feebles. Now, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. basically Muppets on Acid. Yes. Um, if you also ever... did The Frighteners, right? Well, hey. <gasps> oh. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for spoiling my pick. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. It's a good movie. But I was going to say that, you know, he went on after, um, after those kind of independent films. His first... 
his first major motion picture was Heavenly Creatures. Yes, with Kate with um Kate Winslet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. who totally could have made room for Jack on that door. <sighs> they proved totally. it. Mythbusters proved yeah. it. Yeah. See did. that? See that? She was so selfish. Mm. But anyway, I, I I don't want to get off I don't want to get off on a tangent here. You don't want to get upset. It's, it's, I am upset. But anyway. But anyway. That leads me to the pick that Manda just spoiled. <laughs> 1996's The Frighteners. Oh, such a good movie. They say that sometimes when you have a traumatic experience that it can alter your perception. You can communicate with the other side. You can see spirits. I don't know why. On July 19th, Universal Pictures invites you to experience another side of the other side. The Frighteners, rated R, starts Friday, July 19th at theaters everywhere. Good movie. I love, love, love The Frighteners. I was fortunate enough to see it as a sneak preview in the theaters uh, the week before it was released. And I was really looking forward to seeing this movie because mm. I was a big fan of Peter Jackson mm. when, you know, after Brain Dead. Yeah, yeah. And then I went back and watched Meet the Feebles and Bad Taste. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's nuts. This <laughs> yeah. guy has the freakiest imagination <laughs> uh, and sickest sense of humor. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, and it was uh, I was so excited to see The Frighteners because it had pretty much uh, all of the things that I would think would make a great movie. Mm -hmm. So it, I love the cast. It's Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, it, music by Danny Elfman. Uh, love him. Which is also great. Uh, it was executive produced by Robert Zemeckis, mm. who, uh, you know, Back to the Future and mm -hmm, all that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is going to be awesome. And I was not disappointed yeah. in the slightest. The Frighteners mm -hmm. is a roller coaster film. Yes. It has got a, it is super funny. Lots of action, amazing special effects for that time. Absolutely, uh, and it's just—it just really is an incredible movie. I mean, it's like the only way I can describe it is like some weird dream you had after eating too many Totino's pizza rolls at night, uh, <laughs> and you're just your mind just goes crazy. So, in the film, Michael J. Fox is kind of this sort of psychic con man. Uh, after an accident, which he almost dies, and which actually kills his wife. He discovers that he can communicate with the dead. He can see them. He can talk to them, and they can talk to him. Mm -hmm. He's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. You dead girl. <laughs> uh, and so what does he do with this newfound ability? Does he help people? Does he want to, you know, help people like, uh, what's her name, the Long Island medium? <clears throat> <laughs> Fraud. <laughs> anyway, uh no, no. What he does, he decides to become a con man. Mm. He actually enlists the help of these ghosts to haunt people's houses, mm -hmm. and then they'll pay him to get rid of them, the ghosts. <laughs> so he's like a fake, a fake ghostbuster, but the ghosts themselves are real. Right. But he just is like, yeah, okay, I, you know, uh, you pay me, I'll get rid of these ghosts, but... You know, they're just, you're just using them, mm. which is kind of, uh, I've never seen a twist like that before. It's a clever premise. It really yeah. is. It really is a clever premise. And it's just so much fun. Um, and for me, it's, uh, you know, it has a lot of fun. It's not, you know, it's got some really scary stuff. It's got some really funny stuff. But, you know, in the film... There's this uh, malevolent spirit that looks like the Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's actually not only able to kind of destroy ghosts, other ghosts, which is so weird, mm -hmm. but he can actually, he's able to kill the living by like like giving them heart attacks and stuff like that. Uh, well, that's his job, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. But he's not, is he really the Grim Reaper or is he something else? Do, do, do. Exactly. So Michael J. Fox is really one of the few, is the, really the only living person to be able to see this spirit mm -hmm. so he is now going to try to find out you know uh who this spirit is why they're doing what they're doing and it's especially urgent because he's being framed for murder mm -hmm. because now uh he's a, the prime suspect in some of these deaths because everybody kind of thinks he's just a regular con man not a psychic con man right uh, and he's being blamed for this so who do they send in they send in the weirdest FBI agent <laughs> ever. And uh, this uh, this very kind of nervous, twitchy, uh, sort of the anti 
Mulder, okay. FBI yeah. agent who, who uh, investigates the, the paranormal and all that, who's played by the absolutely incredible Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> now, if you don't know who Jeffrey Combs is, shame on you, uh, because he is a fantastic character actor. He's been in a lot of horror movies. Yes, yeah. Uh, probably best known for Reanimator, uh, mm. which is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, he was also he's also played more characters. This is interesting. Uh, more characters in the Star Trek franchise than any other actor. He has played a number of different aliens uh, on that show. Was he an Ewok? He was not. That's Star Wars. Oh, oh, oh! What are we? What did you say? Star Trek? Is yes. there a difference? Oh, oh sorry. You're fired. <laughs> anyway. I think I just killed Tom. I think you did. <laughs> you broke me. So, in fact, Jeffrey Combs was, uh, he actually kind of holds a, a weird kind of record where he played three different characters in one episode of Star Trek. Oh, wow. On Deep Space Nine. So he's like it, the Doug Jones of the 80s. He is kind of like that. Yeah. So he, but he's fantastic. He's always good. Uh, if you are a Jeffrey Combs fan, this is an aside. Uh, one of the kind of lesser known films, and this is something that we may get into in a future episode, uh, it's an 80s Doctor Strange kind of movie called Doctor oh. Mordred, where he plays a Doctor Strange type character. Oh, cool. And it is so much of a ripoff of Doctor Strange, but this was like 20 years ago. Right. Doctor it's, Strange is awesome. Doctor Strange is awesome, but Doctor Mordred is a fun movie. <laughs> and he, uh, it's basically just Doctor Strange. Right. So it's kind of weird that yeah. it was like 20 years before the real Doctor Strange huh. movie came out. But. Anyway, um, so as I said, uh, there's this evil kind of Grim Reaper type ghost terrorizing uh, this small community, and Michael J. Fox tries to get to the bottom of it. Uh, but the real star here in this film are the incredible special effects. Hmm. There are so many. This, yes. this film actually had the most effect shots in a film up until that time. Oh, wow. And this was kind of the beginning of Peter Jackson's uh, special effects company. Oh, what a workshop. Exactly. So yeah. he actually uh, put that together for this movie. Oh. And, of course, they went on to do the Lord of the Rings movies and many others. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of interesting just for just for that. Uh, and as I said before, the executive producer was Robert Zemeckis. And it, it kind of feels, because he did, back, he did Back to the Future, directed all three Back to the Future movies. Mm -hmm. uh, this film, if you think about it, has that kind of <clears throat> breakneck pace in the final act. Yeah. Just like Back to the Future did. Yes. You know, and there's so much going on, so much happening, but it all makes sense, and it's all really, really cool. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the ending for you, of course, but if you are a horror fan and you're a Peter Jackson fan, you have no excuse but to go and see The Frighteners. There's a couple good laughs, month. too. It's a funny movie. Yeah, it's got it is his funny. brand of sense of humor, mm -hmm. which is very dark, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty awesome. And Michael J. Fox, uh, you know, it's... He does, he plays a guy that's really not that likable. And that's yeah. hard for him. It's like, you yeah. know, making uh, Tom Hanks a slasher or something. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> Here's but, a ripper, Tom Hanks. And sadly, it was his, it was kind of his last starring role in a feature film before, of course, his Parkinson's made it very difficult uh, for him yeah, 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 yeah. to continue. Of course, he went on to do uh, episodic TV, like Spin City and things like that. But this mm -hmm. was kind of his last uh, feature film role mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. the star. So uh, for that alone, it's also worth, you know, checking, checking out as well. So, yeah, I really love this movie. I think it's fun. It's a little scary, but more thrilling. Yeah. You know, than anything else. But The Frighteners, check it out. That's what that's so all I got to say about that. So good. Now on to the numbers. The numbers. So it gets a respectable 7.1 out okay. of 10 okay. on the Internet Movie Database. And... Uh, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't think is very deserved. I mean, it's fresh. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I think yeah. it could be better. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's available right now if you are a subscriber to Cinemax. And hey, who knew that was still around? Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, my um, God. So it's available for if you subscribe to Cinemax. Uh, and it is available to rent for $3.99 on iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and most other streaming platforms good pick thank you that was amazing i'm sorry i ruined it for you the, yeah, the surprise and all that yeah i'm sorry too <laughs> uh i can't help it that i'm awesome okay so i'm gonna go into my second pick here which i almost think 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It might be the my favorite of the two. Really? Yeah. So my second pick is called The Tomb of Ligeia. It's from 1964. It's uh, directed by, and I'm, I'm sure you know who this is, Roger Corman. The Roger the Corman? Roger Corman, and it stars the magnificent Vincent Price. Yes, Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. Ligeia, the tale of terror Edgar Allan Poe thought his greatest the masterfully macabre performance of Vincent Price together bring to life the undead to haunt the living. What is the strange infatuation that draws a lady to the Stygian stranger who lives with his terrifying black cat in a castle of dark, somber mystery? Seeing you and, and seeing her Yet when you thought I was Lygia, you tried to attack me. You must trust me. Give over your will to mine. No harm will come to you. Give over your will to mine. So, again, a little bit of a backstory here. Edgar Allan Poe. You know, quote the Raven Nevermore. He's pretty synonymous with creepy Victorian era weird poetry yeah i know also, the popo also being like super doped up on like heroin and stuff while he's writing he was emo before emo was cool <laughs> yeah so poe originally wrote the short story called the in 1838 it tells the story of an unnamed narrator and his first wife she was a great beauty she um was elegant she was demure she had raven colored hair she was not the normal for him because of course we can infer from his second wife that he was not like her but she also possessed a lot more knowledge than maybe that was expected of her in the 1800s she had what poe sort of describes as a hidden metaphysical knowledge implying to the reader that she could of course commune with the spirits etc his wife also wasn't um a fan of the sort of widely accepted christian religion and she would very often spout some sort of anti-christian rhetoric which although it frightened the narrator he loved her immensely and it he just fell into such a deep mourning when she died that he didn't even think anything of it you know these sort of like rantings and ravings that she would sometimes go through he just kind of left it to her one of her quirks so she unfortunately felt fell ill and she died rather quickly he felt the need that he must get married again. Despite being in, in terrible mourning, he had to get married again. I guess that was expected of a Victorian man. I don't know. But the second wife, basically a 180 from the first. She was loud, obnoxious. She had blonde hair. She was everything that was probably the common and the norm back then. But he married her because it, for whatever reason, that's what he felt like he had to do. Yeah, it, they called it the Victorian <clears throat> secret. <laughs> Oh, that was uh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was you. good. Okay, so um, the narrator marries the woman, and she too falls suddenly ill and passes away. Hmm. Hey, right, that's the first thing you think. I'm suspicious now. Yeah. So the narrator decides this time, you know, a second wife has passed. I'm going to spend the night with her, and in the morning, of course, the the folks will come to take her away, and we'll begin this process again. But something odd starts happening. The body seems to revive itself for a quick few moments and then it it dies all over again. And this keeps happening in succession, like consistently, incessantly waking up, dying again, but for longer periods the next time, waking up for five minutes this time, dying for five minutes. And so it keeps happening until eventually he thinks that he has just gone insane. He closes his eyes for a moment and when he opens them, it's his first wife staring back at him, alive, breathing and speaking. Oh boy. Weird, right? So the poem and or the short story ends with the idea that they I don't want to say live happily ever after, but it ends. So we're not sure if the narrator was dreaming or, you know, was just really, really, you know, off on his head on something or if it was just Poe being weird. But that's where it ends. Now, the movie of a similar title it doesn't really follow that plot too closely because, of course, there isn't much substance there. It was uh, maybe two or three pages worth of story, and it's a pretty clear cut. Wife dies, gets married again, maybe possesses the next wife, that kind of thing. Um, but Vincent Price, who is well known for being the horror guy, right, uh, he plays the character of the narrator now called Verdon Fell. 
Um, he's a deep, mournful character, and if nothing else, finds himself in the rhythm of life when his first wife, first wife dies, and then he must marry again. His second wife, of course, being the polar opposite, and that's kind of where the similarities end. Um, the film takes the idea that Legay's ability to commune with the spirits is more malevolent than really let on in the beginning so in this movie she can possess things she's already passed away but she's possessing things um most notably a, a black cat um i should mention that it's 1964 so it's not necessarily in black and white but um the color scheme wasn't all there it made it a little bit more creepier so i'm gonna assume it was a black cat but regardless mm -hmm. um in somehow the the character that the um price is playing knows it's his wife and they're able to kind of have these weird staring contests and like somehow he's like that's my dead wife and she you know took she possessed that cat and and whatever um the cat then attempts to murder the the, the second wife and he has to get into this epic battle <laughs> with a cat I, i'm not even joking where there there are claws and there are retractable things and there's strangling and it's a whole big thing um but eventually she the cat passes away or the spirit kind of is ejected from the cat it's unclear um but she's presented as this vengeful maniacal ex-wife who's jealous and in her lust to punish or lust pu to punish the the new wife um for taking her place quote unquote nearly kills vincent price so the movie is pretty short. Um, like I said, it drops off the plot and it definitely takes creative license from the Edgar Allan Poe um, premise, but it's pretty good. It's it's actually not that bad of a movie. It was filmed in the UK. It's an American-based company filmed in the UK, which, by the way, during research, I found out that was pretty much the norm. So when you're looking to make a short um, sort of horror film in a short amount of time, you kind of had to go where there were a lot of... I guess backdrops that would make sense. Mm -hmm. So this one was filled in 25 days um, in the United Kingdom. And um, I think it was only about a little over an hour long. So it's not very long at all, but it was a very good movie. I thought the costumes were pretty good. Um, I, the second wife as, as obnoxious as she was probably did her job really well because I was annoyed by her, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's really good to the scores. IMDb gives it a 6.6. .6, so not the greatest, but, it's made up for on Rotten Tomatoes, which gives it an eight point, uh, excuse me, an 82%. Wow. Pretty high mm, up there, that's yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm giving it a seven and a half uh, out of 10. Uh, I enjoyed the costumes, like I said. I thought Vincent Price was awesome. And I think with most Roger Corman movies, you're you're going to get something out of it that will say, yep, it was worth watching. Nice. You know what I mean? Because he's pretty much well known for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So where can you watch it? You can rent it for two ninety nine on Vudu, um, and you can also buy it for twelve ninety nine on Vudu. Vudu is the only subscription service right now that is carrying it. But like I mentioned in a couple episodes before, Turner Classic Movies typically has a rotation of these things, and it has been on that channel in the past. So I recommend certainly downloading the TCM app. Yeah. And then when they have their horror, Halloween, spooky rotation, you can get notified, and then maybe this will show up. Very nice. Yeah. So it's my like second it. pick. Very cool. Thank you. All right. So strap yourselves in, divers. <laughs> uh -oh. It's about to get all crazy in here. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. My second pick has to be one of the most visually inventive, narratively insane movies I have ever seen. And that's saying I was going to say, lot. that's saying a lot for you. I've seen a lot of garbage. <laughs> but I've also seen a lot of really great, crazy movies. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> I present for your viewing pleasure the 1977 Japanese horror flick, Hausu, which also means house, Oh, oh okay. by the way, just so you know. Not a big difference, but still, it's important. <laughs> Hausu, house. House, like the yeah. doctor house. Uh I'm going to just uh, have a disclaimer here. I will not do this movie any justice by describing it or trying to describe it because it's almost impossible to do so. What? But here we go. So there's this young girl. She invites six of her classmates to go with her to visit her aunt for the summer. So they travel to the aunt's house. It's kind of in the middle of the country. It's in this uh, beautiful, beautiful scenic area. And they hope that they're going to have a, a happy idyllic stay yeah you know uh and so they're they're all there to have a to have some fun and enjoy each other's company and do that so what they don't account for and you never do with these kinds of movies 
is that this house wants to literally <laughs> eat these Ew. girls, like ingest them. So <laughs> now, you know, if, if you get the feeling that a house that is haunted is trying to, you know, eat you, you know, what's the first thing you try to do? Run away? Yeah, you try to <laughs> run away, but they can't because they're trapped in the house. The house will not let oh. them leave. It's like a smart house. It, it's kind of a smart house, but it's not. It's just a possessed house, and it's nuts. So, <laughs> but here's the thing. This possessed house will try to use everything inside the house to get at these girls that, try to, that is trying to eat them. So... The house attacks these kids with mattresses, grandfather clocks, light fixtures, a piano that tries Ooh. to eat them, a, a, yeah, a piano, a uh, flying severed head <laughs> that bites your butt. It's a butt-biting severed head. Right. I know. Like, why not? Uh, <laughs> and... Naturally, there's this evil house cat <laughs> named Blanche. <laughs> of course it would be Blanche. It wouldn't be Rose or no, no. No, it's Blanche, which is not <laughs> even a Japanese name. That's a golden girl. Yeah. Yeah. Blanche. Blanche. So there you go. Now, what makes this movie, uh, you know, normally if I've described this and you'd be like, this is stupid. This sounds terrible and it's awful. It is not because... This film for 1977 has some really, really innovative uh, special effects techniques and a ton of surrealistic imagination. Hmm. There's uh, sequences that are animated. Uh, there's uh, like collage work going on. It's it's very, very weirdly paced, and the the narrative is all kind of strange. It really is like some kind of weird uh, fever induced kind of psychosis that you're watching mm, mm. and you're like what am i really seeing what i'm seeing which i find fascinating because if a filmmaker can can have you watch something you're like i i can't i can't believe this what is going on this is just too weird uh that to me is a high mark sure yeah because you know everybody's so jaded these days especially because now computer generated effects can pretty much replicate anything right right, right. Uh, yeah to see something that is you know uh, from 1977, that was done so imaginatively and with a, an incredibly low budget, it would seem, just by looking at it. Um, yeah, and, and when you're all, when it's all said and done, you're going to wonder who spiked your sake because it's just <laughs> like you're all, like loopy as all get out. You don't know what's mm. going on. Now, this took, this project, this movie actually took years to get off the ground because they couldn't find a director to make it. Because all the directors that they um, that they talked to would were afraid that it would end their careers <laughs> if they made this movie. Okay. So um, I'll tell you this, just to be completely honest, if you seek out this film and watch this film, you I guarantee you you will see things you have never seen before. <laughs> That's how nuts this is. If for no other reason, watch it because it will show you things that you've never experienced. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot right there because <laughs> it's so imaginative. It will mess with your perceptions of reality. Mm. That's that's how intense this is. So I highly recommend Hausu and it's spelled H-A-U-S-U. -U. Uh, it actually gets for the scores. 7.3 out of 10 okay. on the internet right. movie database and a whopping 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's how amazing this film is. 90%. So where can you see this amazing piece of, of cinematic weirdness? Uh, if you subscribe to the streaming Criterion channel, uh, which is available on several... Uh, streaming boxes, including the Apple TV. Mm. Uh, and if you're familiar with Criterion, uh, that company puts out very high-quality uh, DVDs with yeah. all kinds of special features, commentaries, uh, documentaries, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, they have made 
you know, a career for decades out of taking important films and giving it the best possible treatment. Yeah. When it's when they're released. So uh, now they have a streaming channel, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. So the Criterion channel, it's on the Criterion channel. Uh, And it's also uh, can be rented on iTunes for three dollars and ninety nine cents or Amazon Prime Video for two dollars and ninety nine cents. That's not bad. It is not bad. But I'm telling you, you know, uh, don't take anything before you see this. (laughs) You won't need to (laughs) just put it that way. Well, it's one of those things that like sometimes these movies are so obscure that they're not accessible on the typical. Exactly. You know, channels. So it's nice that that they have a, a sort of inexpensive way to watch this and then not have to buy it and have your house possessed because you bought it or repossessed you mean oh yeah yeah very good all right so manda yes do you have any honorable mentions yes i do you know i do let's hear them so the first one um i think you should check out is called the haunting it's from the 70s, right? And it's oh, yeah. based in Massachusetts. Well, it's based about a house in Massachusetts. Aren't they all? It is. And it's kind of like our own New England take on the Westchester house. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to watch it. It's the house creep- that goes nowhere. With, <laughs> with, yeah, the staircases into nothing yeah. and the doors. And, you know, she was a bit creepy. But it also brings me to my next one, which was a, ho- a movie that recently came out with Helen Mirren. In about that that specific woman and for the life of me i can't remember it but i will figure it out and we'll put it on our website okay. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and it explores just her sort of insanity after her husband uh passes away and she believes she's being haunted by all the victims of the, the this gun that he that he made wow so yeah good to go yeah do you have right. any honorable mentions i do have a couple sweet uh one of my uh, favorite ghost type films from the past couple of decades uh, is The Others with Nicole oh, Kidman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one of those that has like a really major twist at the end, so I'm not going to reveal it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, basically, it's a haunted house movie where Nicole Kidman and her children are experiencing some very unusual phenomena while uh, the husband is away at war. So uh, very atmospheric, very well made, yep. uh, very creepy, and like I said, fantastic kind of a twist ending that you really kind of don't see coming. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that. Uh, also, when it comes to some more mainstream uh, type of ghost movies, some of them uh, that I like to talk about, Beetlejuice, yeah, one of my favorites. You don't normally think of that as a ghost movie, but it really is. Uh, Poltergeist, okay, the original, yeah, oh, so good. Uh, okay, here's a here's one. It's a ghost movie, but you wouldn't necessarily think of it that way. Coco, oh, from Pixar, yeah. I have never seen it. It's so good. Yeah, you will I've cry. heard that. I've I've heard that too. It's so good. It's it called really Winchester, is. by the way. Winchester. That movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go. That makes sense. Yeah, because you know the whole gun thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, I have never seen Coco. It's on Netflix. You got to see it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's real. I mean, it's a Pixar movie, so you know they're going to pull the heartstrings. Uh, but it's yeah. so, it's just so well done, like all the yeah. Pixar films. They really and are. Yeah. You know, it's got a lot of heart, and it's so sweet. So you got to check that out. What about Ghost Ship? Ghost Ship. Yeah. That's, have you seen that? Um... It's the one where the, the front I of the cover is like almost looks like Titanic, although yeah, it's not Titanic. It's, it's like a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. made a second one, too. Don't watch Why? the second one. Only the first one will do. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, ghost yeah. ship. Ghost yeah. ship, yeah. Okay, okay. Very good. Yeah, we got some good stuff. Yeah, we do. So do you have any like shout outs for this episode? Uh, well, first off, I mean, uh, the week that we are posting this, yes. uh, we are uh, being featured mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Uh, like a podcast of the week on Podbean, which is our provider. Yes. Uh, so I would very much like to uh, thank the folks over at Podbean for being gracious enough to do Absolutely. that. Uh, it, has, it has already had a, a huge impact mm-hmm. on our uh, listenership. Yeah. And we could not be thrilled. We, we uh, hope that all of you new listeners who are joining us We'll, you know, uh, subscribe and keep listening. We really want to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, so absolutely. Thank you to Podbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you to all the people that have discovered us through Podbean. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll continue to do so. Absolutely. I would like to say hello to all of our listeners from last season. Um, all the great comments that we get on Instagram. Our Instagram is pretty active. We post quite a bit on there. Snippets from our new shows. Uh, we post some uh, some videos, some stories. So hello 
hello to everyone on the Instagram world. Uh, I'd like to say hello to the folks over at the Belligions Progest. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we have some uh, little bit of a news regarding them. We are going to have them as our first guests. That's right. So cool. We're going to have them on an upcoming episode. Um, I'm not sure if we've decided which one. Have we decided which one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The classic monsters. Classic monsters. Yes. The classic and so monsters. we're talking, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, all of that. But they're going to be our first guests. It's going to be so cool. So hi to those guys. And thank you for agreeing. And now that you've agreed, you can't get out of it. That's right. And we are going to uh, install a sensor button. This. <laughs> yes, we get to have our fine. Like, we get to have our own sound effects, but it'll be for bleeping. Yes, basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, um. So hello to some of our fans. Uh, some of our fans, our friends, Mason, Raven, Wayne, Ian, and Sarah. Thank you so much for your recent Absolutely. comments and for following us on Instagram. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I got. All right. So, uh, now to recap our picks for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, for myself, my first pick was The Frighteners, starring Michael J. Fox. So good. And the Japanese surrealistic horror film. Houseu, and they are both available to rent on most streaming platforms. Manda and my pick, what my picks were Session Nine, uh, starring Peter Mullen and David Crusoe. You can find those on Vudu. And my second pick was The Tomb of Legea. You can find that currently on Amazon and on Vudu. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. It was a good episode. I think so. It was the best one we've had for season two. <laughs> Do you hear that? It was the only Did one we had. I feel a little cold. Uh, All right. (laughs) Enough of that. Anyways. So next dive. Next dive. Have you ever felt like your body is going through some changes? Maybe you're having feelings you've never felt before. Maybe there's hair growing in strange places. No, we're not talking about puberty. I've already had this conversation with my parents. Exactly. What is it? It's body horror week. Yes. yes. Medical mistakes, mutant (laughs) mayhem, and more. And more. That is week two of our horror month scare stravaganza. Mm -hmm. That is next time on the Deep Dive Podcast. Now be sure to visit our website at thedeepdivepodcast.com and check out our line of t shirts that are guaranteed to make you invisible while trick or treating at night. (laughs) <laughs> and they will cover some parts of your body. Exactly. Which is, you know, legal. That's our guarantee from us to you. <laughs> so for the amazing Manda and all of us here in Studio D, I'm Tom Feeney. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Woo! Casper, the friendly ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. The grown-ups might look at him with fright. The children all love him so. Special thanks to our hosting service, Podbean. And for links to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter feeds, please visit our website at thedeepdivepodcast.com. Send us your feedback, suggestions, and comments at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com. This podcast may contain copyrighted material, the use of which has not necessarily been authorized by the copyright owner. All programs reviewed were available in the United States at the time of recording, but are subject to change by date or region. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.